Well, what's up, Barrel Life Church? How are we doing today? Come on now. I'm excited to be with you right now in your living room, or maybe you're riding down the road listening in your car. Maybe you're at the gym working on your fitness. Either way it goes, I am so glad that you tuned in right here at Barrel Life Church for just a few moments to allow us to speak into your life. And I'm telling you what, we're really excited about what God is doing in our community, in our church and I really believe that God is up to something great. In case you're just tuning in with us, go ahead and write the date down, August the 2nd. We're going to be fully open right back into business again. Can't wait to worship with you guys in person. And we are so stoked about it. Can't wait. And uh, I, I better stop because I may get ahead of myself because I'm really looking forward to August and what we believe God's going to do going into the fall. And all the life changes are going to take place. I just, I'm just super, super excited. Hopefully you're excited as well. It's been way too long. It's time for us to get the family back together, get the body of Christ back together, and let's uh, get our worship on and lift up Jesus. But anyway, until then, we got a great month packed for June in our family series. Going July, the summer stories. I'm really excited about doing outside service. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You're going you're gonna to be able to sit at home and check it out, but we're going to be outside doing the service and bringing it right to you on your iPad, your phone, or right there on your TV. So really, we're super, super excited about it. This is part two. I'm no ordinary family. Last week, we talked about how to raise up some world changers, right? Parents, how do we raise up world changers that changes the world? And really, in a nutshell, we got to appoint them to the one that changed the world, and that is Jesus, to show our children Jesus. Now, if we're going to have a strong, strong family, that's what we want, right? We don't want to be an ordinary family. We want to be a strong family. We want to be a different family. We want to, we want to be a family that lasts and that changes a generation, that changes family tree, right? That's what I want for my family. Hopefully you want it for yours. But if we're going to have a strong family, it starts with a strong marriage. It starts at home. Mom, dad, it starts with you. If we want a strong family, if we want to change our family tree, it starts with you and it starts with me. So we got to figure out how do we build a strong marriage, right? A strong marriage that will last, a strong marriage that only influence our children, but our children's children. You know what I'm saying? That's what I want for my family and that's what I want for you. I don't want an ordinary marriage. I want a different marriage. I, I want to be different. I want to look different. I want like, wow, how in the world do y'all work things out? How in the world did you stay together so long? How are you able to live with each other's differences? That's what I want. I want to teach my kids that, that marriage is for the long haul. I want to teach my kids what it looks like. And so that's one of the things. Not only do we show our children Jesus, but we also show what a godly marriage looks like. And I'm honestly, would be honest with you, that's one of the greatest things, mom, dads, that we can do. Show our children Jesus and show them what a marriage is supposed to be like, what it looks like. Now, I make mistakes, right? Come on, now you're sitting there going, uh, man, I can't believe you're saying this to me because, man, I mess up all the time. I'm with you, right? That's what a good marriage does. You figure out how do you work through those differences. I've been doing some research on, on marriage, and, and this is pretty funny. So some things are funny and pretty fascinating. But the University of Nebraska, they did this whole study on marriages. And they started you know, studying everybody from different age group, how long they were married, how long they lived, and all this stuff together. And there's some pretty fascinating uh, statistics on just average couples being married. It just doesn't matter what religion you are, doesn't matter your background, any of that whatsoever. It's just looking at people who are married, what are some things that are unique about them? So married couples that get married and stay married, this is pretty fascinating. That they have, the, they have the capacity, they live up based on averages. Again, this is averages. They live eight years longer. You think about that. Those who get married, some people are like, man, this marriage is wearing me out. But listen, if you figure out how to have a strong marriage, there's a potential, it says, that you can live eight years, you can add eight years 
to your life. Of course, we know as Christians, right, God has that day picked for us, but we do our very best. Uh, those who get married and stay married have fewer mental health problems. Those who get married and stay married have a better financial stability. And those who get married and stay married save more money than the average person who doesn't or who goes through a divorce or, or, or separates. They, they actually save more. Here's some things about the children. The children are less likely to live in poverty when mom and dad stay married. The children are less likely to experience a mental and emotional problems if mom and dad stays married. Children are more likely not to abuse drugs and alcohol if mom and dad stay married. Of course, these are, you know, there's always you know, the, the, the statistics that this is, can go sideways. But children also are less likely to drop out of school if mom and dad stay married. Now, that's just like secular you know, studies looking at mom and dad that stay together. In fact, I've read one statistic that mom and dad that are faithful to attend church every single week, 25%. Only 25% of the people who are staying married and attend church every week actually get divorced. So when people start saying, you know, for people who are actively Christians who are seeking the Lord and staying connected to church, 25% likely to get a divorce. So that's a very better statistic than half, according to marriages in the United States. But here's one of the most, I love this one. My wife, she's going to get a kick out of it. She ain't going to believe I'm talking about that. But here's one that I, I studied and I found. And I, I, I think that right now, on this stage, on this platform, I'm going to issue a seven-day challenge to every single married couple, right? Seven-day challenge. And this is the seven-day challenge. is for every single day, for the next seven days, you are to kiss your spouse for 60 seconds without stopping. That's right. My wife, she's probably thinking, dear Lord, what are you doing, honey? Wait a minute. Listen, listen I've done some research on this. This is fascinating. This is the 60-second Daily kiss challenge for all you married couples out there. And some of you are like, I can't believe you're saying this, but this is so good. Here's some studies. When you kiss for 60 seconds, for 60 seconds, you release feel-good hormones in your body. And all the guys said, amen to that, right? It increases your level of relationship satisfaction in the marriage. It lowers your stress. Are you stressed? You need to kiss your wife. You need to kiss your husband, right? If you're stressed out, you need to kiss, not just chicken pie. I'm talking 60-second kisses. That's what I'm talking about, right? It encourages infect affection if you could kiss for 60 seconds. But this one, oh my goodness, this, this, I, I found a new workout plan. I found a new workout plan right here that you burn an average of five to 26 calories for every minute that you kiss. Are you kidding me? I'm going for an hour because I'm going to burn 150 calories right here. I'm going to declare it from this stage right here. That's my new workout plan, honey. I'm coming home. Here it goes, right? We're going to <laughs> for an hour. And she's like, oh, dear goodness, no. Check this out. American Journal of Medicine. American Journal of Medicine says this. Found that men who kiss their wives every morning, every morning before they go to work, live five years longer and makes more money than, he, than the men who don't kiss their wife when they leave in the morning. I don't know about you, but based on that statistic, I'm gonna leave to be 150 years old and be a multimillionaire. I'm claiming it right now, because I kiss my wife all the time, probably too much, and sometimes she tells me to quit. But anyway, that's another whole story. We'll get to it later. But do it, 60-day challenge, it was 60-day, yes, 60-day challenge for 60 seconds, right? For the next seven days, married couples, here's your challenge. You're gonna kiss for 60 seconds. 
And you're going to look and say, well, pastor told me I had to, so here we go, right? And let's just do it as America. I thought that was fun. Let's throw that out. But that is statistic. That, that shows it. So maybe it is. Maybe it's not true. But who knows, right? <laughs> uh, you never know. So let's just try it out. So, so really, how do you strengthen a marriage? And how do you build a strong marriage according to the Scripture? Like, what does a strong marriage look like? Now, for instance, I can't flip to the Bible and go to a book in the Bible that says, right here, if you'll do these five things, you'll fix your marriage. I wish I could do that, but it's not there. I wish I could go there and say, hey, if you're struggling in your marriage, if you'll do these three things right here, right here, these three things right here, it would fix your marriage. And really can't find that in the scripture. Here's some things we know about marriage. Number one, it was God's idea. God designed it. God instituted it. Like God thought it up. God said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make male and female and we're going to join them together, and they are going to get married. God instituted marriage, which means if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Bible believer, if you believe in God, then that means what he sets in place, we can't change. No matter how unpolitical it may be, God designed marriage between one man and one woman for eternity, for the rest of their lives. That's how God set it up. That's what God calls marriage. That's what, according to the scripture we see, and those who follow Jesus believe that marriage is between one man and woman. No one can change it. That's what God says marriage is. If you do marriage God's way, if you figure out how it works God's way, then you can live a happy life, which we call obviously a better life than you could ever dreamed of. All through the scripture, here's the second thing. God looks at his people as a relationship between a bride and a groom. We see this all the way through the scripture. In fact, the Bible says we are the bride of Christ, right? He's the groom. We are the bride. We see the imagery of marriage all the way through the scripture. It represents, watch this, not only what we see this male and female in this union with each other, but God is, looks at marriage as a picture of his son and, and, and the church, me, you, Christians, as a, as a bride and a groom who comes together. In fact, there's another fascinating thing. When you look at Jesus returning, and I'm going to tell you what, he's one, he's one day closer today than he was yesterday of returning. He's coming. He's coming back. I have no idea when it is. We can have all these theories and when you thought and the end of the times and the signs and the wonders and all this stuff. At the end of the day, he's coming. If you're a Christian, you're on the winning team. That's all that matters. You don't have to panic. You don't have to worry. But when Jesus returns, this is fascinating, he, he, he shows us a picture of a man and a woman who are pursuing each other in marriage, who gets married. Did you ever notice that? Let me, let me give you a real quick historical context background. A Jewish wedding looks like this. Most of them were all arranged. And a little boy or a boy was raised up that this is gonna be the girl that you're gonna marry. And the, the man would go to the girl's house. He usually would travel from another city, would go to the, to, the, to the woman's house. At this time, she's probably between 13 and 14 years old. He would take a cup. I'm so glad the creative team put this cup right here for me today. There's nothing in it. Ah, psych. So anyway, he took a cup, and he would take this cup, and he would set this cup in front of her as a token. If she would accept him in marriage, she would take the cup, and she would drink it as a covenant between them two. Now, this is what was called the engagement to be betrothed to each other because they're not yet technically married. Mary, Mary and Joseph, they were technically engaged. This is what Joseph did with Mary. He would set the cup. She would take the cup. She would drink the cup to accept his offer to take his hand in marriage. After that, he would go to her father and he would pay a price. He would do something to buy her, to pay a price for her. 
in her community, she would be known as the one who has been bought, who someone has paid a price for her. And you know what that little boy or that teenage boy would say? He could be 20. He could be a late teenager. You know what he would say to his, his engaged, soon-to-be bride? He would say this, I'm going to go to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back to get you. Does that sound familiar, John 14? And the boy would go back to his home, and on his dad's property connected to his dad's house, he would build a room attached to the house for his new bride, for them to move into. And it took somewhere between six to 12 months for this to happen. And he began to build it. But you know what? He did not know when it was the time, the day, or the hour to go back to get his bride. He didn't know. But his father did. And when his father said, now, son, it's time to go get your bride, he would go back to get his bride soon as the room was prepared. He would go back. Now, the father would say, go get your bride. And guess what he would do? Historically, most of them would come at midnight to make it romantic. She would keep a lamp burning with oil in her window, waiting for him to come. She had no idea when her new engaged soon-to-be husband was coming back to get her. So she would keep her lamp lit at night in the window, waiting for his return. She didn't know when it was happening. And you know what he would do historically most of the time? At midnight, they would come. And guess what they would hear? a trumpet sound, they would take a ram's horn and they would blow it loudly to wake them up to say, I am here to get my bride, to get my wife. Now, do you know when Jesus says in John 14 to the disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but I've overcome this world. Well, where are you going? Guess what Jesus says? I am going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms, are many mansions. I am going to prepare a place for you. And lo, I am going to come back and I will receive you and get you as myself. You know what they thought then? They saw a wedding. They saw the man who was coming, the groom coming for the bride. But when will you come back, Jesus? When will you come and get us? The Son of Man does not know. The angels do not know. But when my Father in heaven says, it is time, the trumpet will blow and I will come to receive you to myself. I'm sorry, I'm getting all carried away by that. Jesus at the rapture, at the end of time, is a picture of a marriage. And when he comes to get his bride, guess what's going to happen? We are going to celebrate for a feast with a feast eating with the groom. It's all as you read through the New Testament when Jesus comes back, gives us a picture of a marriage ceremony. That's going to happen. Is that not amazing? See, now when you read that scripture, you understand the hearers would have heard, oh my gosh, he sees us as a bride and he's the groom and he will come back. We don't know what hour. We don't know what day. He doesn't know what hour day. Even the angels, but the father knows. And at that moment when it's time, the trumpet will sound to let us know he's coming. That's why we must be prepared We keep that lamp burning, watching, waiting for him to come. And as we take the cup of communion, the covenant cup, we celebrate communion to represent the blood, 
a price. We have been brought with a price. It's another beautiful picture. As the groom paid a price for his bride, we have been bought with the blood of Jesus. And every time we take communion, we are celebrating that that marriage ceremony will come someday when he returns to take him to himself. That's the whole message right there. I don't even need to preach on marriage. That's a beautiful picture. So let me tell you what. Marriage means a lot to God. It's a picture of Jesus and the church. So how do we build a strong marriage, a marriage that will last? Now, listen, I'm not an expert in marriage. This year in August, I've been married 21 years. So my wife, we have four kids. I've learned a little bit over the last two decades about being married, how to figure out things and differences and stuff. Definitely not an expert. Don't have a perfect marriage. I have a great marriage. I think my wife, my wife our marriage right now, we, I've been asking her, hey, talk to me. How's our marriage right now? What's going on? Rate it to me. How do you feel? And is there something I need to change, something I need to work on? I'm constantly trying to figure out how to get better and make it better. And right now, things are great. We have a great communication. Great. And so I'm going to share with you some things that I believe that has actually worked for us, but I want to encourage you to implement it yourself. And so if you're single and you're not married, don't tune me out. Because this is what you need to look at too, is that get to this point in your relationship with the person you're gonna spend the rest of your life with. So it doesn't matter if you're married, married, or you're single, or you're single again, and you're thinking about getting remarried. Listen, I want you to pay attention because here's some things to build a strong marriage. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. Okay, crickets. Anyway, let's go, here we go. <laughs> First Peter 1, says this. Love each other deeply with all your Heart. Everybody say all your heart. Right now, say it. Look at the person beside. Say all your heart. Now, is that in the context of a marriage right there? No. He said, as believers, we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ with all of our hearts. My wife has given her life to Jesus. I'm to love her with all of my heart. What does it look like to love someone with all of your heart? Like you may even say it too, I love you with all of my heart. Honey, I love you. I, I look at my kids and say, I love you with all of my heart. What does it mean to love someone with all, not partial, not just a little bit, but with all of your heart? So that's kind of what I'm focused on today, all of your heart. What's it like to give all of your heart? Here's the first thing if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing you do is this, you need to listen with all of your heart. <laughs> listen to me, men, you need to listen. <laughs> with all of your heart. Oh, I hear you, right? I can hear you, but I ain't listening, right? There's a difference between hearing and listening. We need to listen with all of our heart. James says it like this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be, what? Say it, say it, quick to what? Quick to what? Quick to listen and slow to what? To speak, slow to get Angry. See, this is, when we're dealing with married couples and, and back and forth and marriage counseling, this is usually opposite. They're quick to speak, slow to listen. One says one, something snaps back. Snap, snap back. Snap, snap back. You said, I say. Go, no, you, you hurt me. You, no, bam. But when one of you will be, you know what? I'm going to be slow to speak. I'm going I'm to listen. I'm going to quick to listen because I may be missing something. Something might be going on in their life at work. Something may be going on inside them personally. Something may be dealing with and they're just taking it out on you or something may happen. So if you'll just take time to listen to your spouse, 
without coming up with solutions, without coming, you know, it's, there's times, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, this is me, because I'm always, I'm always talking. I, I know that shocks some of you all, but I'm always, I'm always wanna talk to my wife. Come on, honey, sit down and talk. No, I don't wanna talk right now. Come on, stop. No, no, stop. All right, come on, let's talk. No, no, we got stuff to do, right? They just talk to me. Okay, how long is it gonna last? I mean, she's always got a timer on me, because she knows I'm, I'm just gonna go on, you know, because I always wanna talk, how's it going, what's going on? I wanna listen to what's going on, but there's times when my, my wife wants me to listen to her, and she'll tell me, I don't need you to counsel me right now. Don't be a counselor right now, just listen. Just listen, I don't need to be fixed, just listen. That's great advice. Men, sometimes we just need to listen. They just need to share. They don't need you to jump in and fix it. They don't need to have a solution just yet. You don't need the five ways, here's what you're gonna do at work and fix this at work and how you're gonna fix this or whatever. You just need to just listen. We're fixers, right guys? We wanna fix things real quick, just, just listen. I'm telling you what, you need to listen with all of your heart because when you listen with all of your heart, it shows her that you love her with all of your heart. Same ways, ladies, we need to be slow and listen. There may be things going on in his, at work. There may be things that's going on in his life. There may be things that's up with his upbringing that you have no idea to talk about, to talk through, that now is, it's, it's shown itself 10 years later into the marriage, 20 years later into the marriage. You're like, where did this come from? I see this all the time because there's things that people haven't dealt with in their past. You think they're taking it out on you, but they need to deal with the things in their life personally first and get through this stuff. And sometimes it don't show itself until later on in the marriage. That's why I say, I think I married the wrong person. No, no, you gotta learn how to work through those things. And here's how that happens. Slow to listen. And just listen, take time and listen. And you have to figure this out. I wanna encourage you, married couples, here's your homework. Besides the 60 second, seven day kiss challenge, here's your homework. Spend time listening to each other. Create times. Sit down, if you have to put it on the counter and say, you know what, no distractions, me and you. No distractions, me and you, let's talk. Set the timer, five minutes, we got five minutes. Let's just see what's going on. That's better than nothing. But in that five minutes or in that 10 minutes, listen intently. Don't be distracted. Don't be like, oh yeah, honey, that's great. I hope, hope things are, oh, work. I'm so sorry you had to go through that work. I know it's tough. Oh yeah, oh, did you see Sarah? Oh my God, Sarah got this. Oh, I mean, no, no, listen. Put the phone down right here. If you have to get up early or you have to stay up a little bit later when the kids go to bed, find a moment to be intimate, to listen to each other. Let me tell you, I wanna encourage you to listen with all of your heart. Here's the big one. Here's the second one. You need to forgive with all your heart. Forgive with all your heart. I think, I'm, I'm, I think this is gonna be maybe the topic or the thing we might do for uh, the, the marriage night coming up here in 2021 uh, next spring is really this, this topic, what is it like to forgive? And, and so many, there's people have not only love language, but they have a forgiven language too. And we're gonna work through that. I don't wanna get ahead, but you need to learn to forgive with all of your heart. Now, let me encourage you. Let me help you right here. Accepting them is not forgiving them. Accepting and forgiveness are two different things. Acceptance and forgiveness are different. We to accept them that they're different, right? We're not trying to forgive them because they're different. We're accepting their differences. Yes, he still leaves a seat up. You don't have to forgive me that. You need to learn how to put the seat down when you go to the back, right? I mean, come on, accept that, right, right? Take your dishes to the dishwasher, please, right? You don't have to forgive you that. There, there's differences between us. And what happens, sometimes we're trying to forgive each other of our differences when that's just how we're wired. Remember, I, I say this all the time. I married a principal. Man, she's a principal. She doesn't break the rules. She goes by the rules, what the rule says. She is a principal. And I was like, well, you got to change. 
Because I, I, I didn't like principals that well, and I was spending a lot of time in the principal's office, and that just, just like bothers me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had a different upbringing. Like, you could be a principal. I was that crazy kid, right? And so I had to figure this out. But I realized it's not that she's being mean or I had to figure out how to forgive. That's how she's wired. She's not a rule breaker. She's going to keep the rules. She's going to be disciplined. She, she, she's going to stay on task. She doesn't get off focus. you got to figure out the differences, and you don't have to forgive them for being different. You have to accept them for their differences. That's just how they're wired. That's their makeup. That's their DNA. And some of you right now, he's like, I'm trying to change my spouse. I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about their sinful behavior. I'm not talking about how they speak to you in negativity or verbally abuse you. That, that's not accepting that they're different. That's something going on in their heart they need to fix. Something's broken when those things happen. And when you see that, it should be a red flag. Something's broken here. Something's in them. That, that's caused them to say that, to hurt that, or do that, whatever it may be. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying accept that they're different. Men and women are different, right? We are different from each other. And this is what the scripture says in Romans 15, 7. Accept one another. Accept them for their differences. That's why I encourage you that when, you, when you're going to date someone, make sure you spend some time to understand their differences. That's, that's really what you need to talk through is the differences of each other. But sometimes love is blinding, and you get blinded like, oh, my gosh, he's so sweet. And then all of a sudden you get married like, what happened to this guy? Where did he go? Well, this is not the guy. Accept one another, then just as Christ has it, what accepted you in order to bring praise to God. There's a difference between acceptance and forgiveness, but we have to learn how to forgive. You know, I've even said this, so I need to change a little bit on, on, on this. I even said this from the stage about my wife. We've seen the Jerry Maguire movie, right? Come on, the big Jerry Maguire, the scene. If you haven't watched it, there's a scene right there. He, you know, Tom Cruise is going off and he's, he's kind of getting all busy with work stuff. And he finally comes. She's got her, all her girlfriends around. He opens the door, says, don't say a word, listen to me. He has this big, you know, just emotional moment. And, and he looks at her and says, you complete me. And she says, shut up. You had me at hello. Y'all remember that? It's a big famous moment right there. And a lot of times, I've even said that. My wife completes me. And I understand because we're completely opposite. I mean, completely 100% opposite. And because we're opposites, we say opposites attract and then opposites attack. You know that, right? That's how it usually happens. We're completely opposite. And because what she's strong in, that I'm, that I'm weak in, and where I'm strong, she's weak. And I made this statement, my wife completed me. And I started thinking about it. I think that's where the problem starts. Because a lot of married couples, you believe that your spouse should be that savior to complete you. Only Jesus can complete you. Only Jesus can make you whole. And when you don't find that in your spouse, well, is there somebody else out there? Maybe somebody else will complete me. Maybe someone will make me be a better me. When the reality, the only person who can complete you, fully complete you, is Jesus. And a lot of times in marriage couples, we begin to think that they are our savior and they're to make, I should be, I should feel, they should. And if I don't find that there, then maybe I can find it somewhere else. And what you realize is, oh, it's not there either. Because what you really need more than anything is Jesus. Because he is the only one who can complete you. He's the only one who can make you whole. He's the only one who can make you a better you. Now, don't get me wrong. We need encouragement. And I understand that. And, and when there's a love language we speak. I, I get that. I, I, I'm, all, I'm all there. But when I start to look to my wife to be my savior, or ladies, when you start to look to your husband to be your savior, 
that's where problems begin to break down. And we gotta learn how to forgive each other. Listen to what the scripture says, Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. You want me to tell you what makes a great marriage? Two great forgivers. A great marriage is a union between two great forgivers. You show me somebody who's had a real long marriage, I'll show you somebody who's learned how to forgive each other. You've got to learn how to forgive each other. We're gonna talk more about that when we do our marriage night. It's coming up uh, sometime in the spring, so you don't wanna, don't wanna miss that. So I wanna encourage married couples with some homework assignment. Get together, talk about your differences. What do you need to accept that's different with each other? And you accept it. It's just, I'm not trying to forgive you for being you. It's got to accept it. That's just you. It's how you're wired. I got to come to that reality. And then also, what are some things that your spouse's quirks that you need to look, look at and talk about? Like, I'm always trying to forgive you because you act that way, but really I just need to accept you for who you are and how God has wired you. And then you need to talk to maybe some harmful behavior or words that you need to learn how to forgive each other when you hurt one another. You gotta figure that out so you can quickly, quickly forgive. You need to talk through some of those things. And you may have some tough conversations, but hopefully you'll get to a point that says, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then how do I work past that? Here's the third one. Be humble with all of your heart. Really, honestly, this is the big one. <laughs> it's to humble yourself. Most of our marital problems cause in pride. And you need to humble yourself. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of a mind, regard one another. You can even put your spouse's name in. To regard Lee Ann as more important than yourself. I'm telling you what, if we could take that one verse, married couples, and we could apply it to our marriage to put our spouse first. Consider your spouse more important than yourself. I'm telling you, that's a game changer right there. If you'll just humble yourself with all of your heart, that can change the game. My wife, she is so unselfish. I mean, just I, there's not a better person on the planet that could ever be meshed or wired how I am wired than my wife is. She is she is puts everyone first. She doesn't think of it that way. She puts her family. I'm just telling you, I mean, and I see it, it's so contagious to say, wow, how she really shows this verse to me and to our family, but not that to others, how she responds. And as I think through that, I'm just, so many people in their marriage are trying to keep scorecards. If you, then I will. Well, you did this and I did this, and there's a scorecard. Marriage is not a game. If you think marriage is a game and you're keeping score, you've already lost. You've lost the game. Well, if you, then I will. You did this, I do that. You say this, then I say this. If it's a cause or act, no, no, no. It's I'm gonna consider you more than myself. And when you do that and you humble yourself, I'm telling you what, that's a game changer, a game changer in your marriage is to humble yourself. So here's what I encourage you. Maybe you need to talk through that a little bit. Maybe talk about some of your selfish actions. Maybe you realize, oh my gosh, I'm really selfish at this. And I'm thinking more of myself, not of my family. I'm thinking more of myself, not of my spouse. And to humble yourself. If both of you would do this, it's amazing to see the, the impact it could have if we would just humble ourselves and serve each other. Here's the fourth and the final one. And this one, and I talked about this a, a few weeks ago, but it's to love God with all of your heart. All of your heart. I need to forgive with all of my heart. I need to be humble 
with all of my heart. I need to listen with all of my heart. But lastly, I need to love God with all of my heart, with all of your heart. Mark says it like this, Mark 12. Love the Lord God with what? With what? With what? Say with all of your what? All of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strengths. Folks, listen to me. I really believe that all marital problems are God problems. Like there's something in my perspective or there's something between me and the Lord, there's something I'm not seeing that I carry out over into my relationship. And I asked my wife, I said, honey, what really makes a, a great marriage? Like what makes a great marriage? I was talking about this sermon coming up. I said, how can I be a better husband? How can we have a better marriage? What, what do we need? Does anything need to change? And I do that inventory from time to time. Just help me because I wanna listen. I want feedback. I wanna I want be the best husband I can be for. I wanna be the best dad I can be for my family. I asked for the feedback. Hey, let's talk to this. I said, what really makes it successful? She said, when you got two people who seek God with all of their heart, that's a strong, great marriage. And I started thinking about that, and that is so true. If both of you will begin to seek God with all of your heart, if both of you would put God first with all of your heart, if both of you would get your heart and emotion and your baggage in your life, I did a whole message on this back in the spring. Remember with baggage that we carry, deal with the baggage and be free and set free from that and love God with all of our heart, then we can begin to love each other with all of our heart. It starts there. It starts right there with the Lord. See, God created you. God created your spouse. God created marriage. And there's nothing greater than to spend time with the one who created you, created your spouse, and who brought marriage into existence. So if I can spend time with God on a daily basis and God begins to chisel a way of hardness in my heart and I begin to experience His love and His grace and His mercy, guess what I begin to extend to people? Love, grace, and mercy. When I realize that God is patient with me when I blow it, guess what happens? I begin now to learn how to be patient with you. When I learn that God doesn't slam cabinet doors or, or walks out and stomps and yells and responds back to me when I sin, then I can understand when my spouse sins against me, how I can respond the way that God responds to me. Listen to me, mom and dad. The greatest thing we can do for our family and our family trees is to show them Jesus through a strong marriage. And the closer you get to Jesus, both of you, the closer you become one with each other. And you'll begin to display a strong marriage to your children. So I wanna encourage you, spend some time with Jesus. I wanna encourage you to start working on your relationship with the Lord and with each other. And I'm telling you, when you listen with all of your heart, when you forgive with all your heart, when you're humble with all of your heart, and you love God with all of your heart, you're on the way to build a very strong, healthy marriage. I'm gonna ask if you would to bow your head. If you're gonna love your spouse with all of your heart, you must know the one who loves you with all of his heart. There's no way I can love my wife 
the way that she deserves to be loved without first experiencing the unconditional love of my Heavenly Father. And maybe your problem in your marriage right now is you don't know Jesus. Like you need to give your life to Jesus right now. Like right now. Don't wait. Don't wait to August 2nd. Well, when we get back in the building. No, no, no. Now. Because once you experience the unconditional grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father, now your perspective changes where you can begin to extend that grace and love your spouse the way they deserve to be loved. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, you could do that right now, no matter where you are, no matter where you're listening to this or watching this, or if this is a rebroadcast, it doesn't matter. You can right now give your life to Jesus. Married couple sitting right there on that sofa. Lady, you've been praying for your husband for years and he's sitting right there with you right now. Listen to me, sir. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Man, you've been praying for your wife. She's sitting right there with you. Listen to me, lady. Give your life to Jesus. And here's how you do it. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And just like that groom who's coming back for his bride, he will save you. And when that trumpet sounds, listen to me, he is going to come and he's going to receive you to himself. Why? Because he has gone back to his father's house and he has prepared a room for you. He's prepared a room for me. He bought us with the price. There's a covenant he made with us, which means he is coming back. Give your life to Jesus today. In fact, if you want to pray with me, saying a prayer won't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. Right now, just say this. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And I believe you're coming back for me. And right now, as best as I know, I'm going to repent of my sin. But I'm going to give my life to you. Now help me love my spouse. Maybe you're not married and you just pray that. Help me, Father, love you and love others for the rest of my life. If that's you and you pray that, you can email me, let me know, pastor at betterlife.church. And just in a moment, our hosts are gonna come back out. They're gonna give you a number. You're gonna text that number, LIFE. We wanna send you some resources. Just grab your phone, text this, text LIFE. We wanna give you a resource, help you get started in your walk with Jesus. Because when you love Jesus with all of your heart, you can begin to love others with all of your heart. Father, thank you so much for marriage. Thank you, Father, you created it. You designed it. You ordained it between one man and one woman for the rest of their life. God, I know that sin has entered into the world, and because sin has entered into the world, it's warped us. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as perfect humans. We make mistakes. We've learned from mistakes. There's consequences. But God, today's a new day. Today, we can start over. No matter how far my marriage is gone, you can resurrect it. No matter how much I messed up in the first marriage, but now I'm in the second marriage. God, you can fix it. I'm going to start over today. I've learned some new principles. I'm going to apply them today. I can't go back and change yesterday, but I can make today new. And because you live, I can live. And because you forgive me, I can forgive myself and, for, and, and move on into the new destiny that you have for me.
So Father, I pray you would heal marriages. You would restore marriages. You would protect marriages. We will start over today following you with all of our heart, loving you with all of our heart, listening with all of our heart, humble ourselves with all of our heart, and forgiving each other with all of our heart so that we don't have to be an ordinary family anymore. We can be extraordinary. A family that changes the world. A family that raises up world changers because our eyes are on you. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Guys, that was such an incredible message from Pastor Daniel. Yes. I know there are so many great points from no matter what phase you are in marriage. Um, something that really stood out to me is um, a lot of times we expect our spouse to complete us. I know me and my wife, we're complete opposites. And there for a while, I was expecting her to fix all my flaws and me to fix all her flaws. Yeah, I've been there. But we have to get to a point where it's Jesus is the only person that complete us. And we just complement each other um, her her little free flow and my planning sort of go together. They fit almost perfectly like a puzzle piece, but it's Jesus that fully completes us. That's awesome, Jordan. How long have you guys been married? We're almost at two years, so not long. We're still, uh, in, I love we're that. still in the learning phase. There's a lot to learn. Yeah, that's awesome. And DJ and I have been married for 17 years and we're still in the learning phase. I feel like you never stop learning throughout the whole time that you're married. One thing that really uh, spoke to me today is um, humility is contagious. I mean, a lot of times hum being humble is hard for me. I want to be right. Oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> it's so hard for me too. You know, I want to be right, but maybe I just need to to be humble and to, to just be able to serve DJ the way he needs to be served. And definitely something I need to work on. Another thing that spoke to me was um, when Pastor Daniel talked about strong marriages, create the foundation for a strong family. And that's really what what we're looking for here. And so, um, and speaking of families, we have some fun, fun, fun um, things to talk about for the month of June. Doing stuff a little bit new, Jordan. We have some family activities. We have some great healthy habits to start for your family. Some ideas for different things just to get you thinking along those lines. And we don't mean just families of um, with small kids. We mean families at any stage like Jordan and Caitlin who are just newlyweds with no kids um, all the way up to empty nesters. We have ideas for you to be uh, create healthy habits for your family right now. So check that out on the website, betterlife.church forward slash family. All the information is there that you need and you can sign up to be reminded when new things come out. Yes, like Connie said, um, we have things for all stages of families. And today I think that there are so many different next steps that we can take. And one huge one is salvation. Yeah, um, and yeah. that can change the whole marriage. That can change a whole family family tree. And if today you've made the decision to start following Jesus, I encourage you to text LIFE to the number that's on the screen. We just want to celebrate with you. We want to just partner alongside you on this journey because this is a huge next step. And we want to be there for you. Um, and I'm just excited for you to change your whole family tree just from this one decision. That's right. And salvation starts that relationship. But we know that as the relationship continues, there's so many next steps for you to take. And so we want to partner with you. We want to um, be able to provide you with whatever you need uh, to grow closer in that relationship to Jesus. So check out the website on our next steps page to see how we can partner with you today. Maybe it's jumping in a group today. Uh, maybe it's giving for the first time. Whatever it is that Jesus is calling your next step to be. And a huge next step that me and my wife take, and it's sort of, 
caused a lot of less arguments than normal is finances, trusting the Lord with our finances. That's one thing that pulls at our heart very much, especially in our day and age. Finances can just have a huge grasp. But if today you decide to um, give to the church, you can do so by visiting betterlife.church give. And we know that you don't give directly to the church, but you're being a blessing through the church, to the community, just all the things um, like supply drives, like the COVID care, just awesome things. And like I said, finances were a huge thing for me. I'm a spender at heart. And my wife had to sort of break those chains a little bit, but it was ultimately just giving to the church and trusting God with my finances. That was a huge step for me in our marriage. I love that and that, that openness about sharing with that. So everybody has a different next step, but we want to partner with you in all of them. Guys, this was amazing. I love that we get to do this every week and, and connect with you. You are our church family. We're doing this online, but we're still a family together and we are just so excited to spend this time with you. We will see you again right here next week.